Welcome to Open Minds Radio with Alejandro Rojas. Open Minds Radio is your UFO news authority, presenting evidence and the latest news regarding the UFO phenomenon. Here's your host, Alejandro Rojas. That is I, Alejandro. Thank you, Mr. Dean, for that lovely introduction. You are listening to Open Minds Radio. We are your UFO News Authority, and we have a great show today. Some good buddies of mine, Debbie Ziegelmeyer and Chuck Zukowski. Debbie is the state director for MUFON in Missouri, where there has been a lot of UFO action outside of Kansas City. Uh, Jason and I have been talking about UFO sightings out there debating a little bit about what might be being seen out there. And so we brought on the person who's in the know, and she's going to tell us all about the, which I didn't know, they're having all kinds of even more sightings than we've been talking about out there. So they've got a lot going on. However, we're also going to talk about, uh, you know, I talked about this a little bit on the last show, the 37th Latitude Line and how when I looked at UFO hotspots, I saw the states along that line in central United States were all hotspots. So we brought Chuck Zukowski on because he had sent me some information a few weeks prior and said, hey, I found that along the 37th latitude line, there's something strange going on here. And he even called it the paranormal freeway. I kind of was like, yeah, whatever, and I deleted the email. No, I just kind of set the information aside and decided to revisit it later. But I was shocked that, because I was working on this hotspot stuff, that when I come up with that map, I showed something similar to what he had seen. And he sees it mostly between Colorado and Missouri, where his sister is the state director. So we've got them both on to talk about how they started working together in the paranormal, uh, what they've been up to, and all of this. I should mention also that Debbie is a MUFON board director. So she's like one of the big cheeses at MUFON right now. And this is new as of just the, the last UFO MUFON symposium. So great news, lots to talk about, and with some fun people. So it's going to be a good time. Another thing that is always a good time is talking UFO news. And of course, at OpenMinds.tv, we keep up to speed on all of the latest headlines, and we always bring this UFO news genius to the show, Jason McClellan, to share with us all of the latest stories. Jason, how are you? My head is swelling. Yep, well. UFO news genius. Yep, that's you. Silly guy, you. Well, greetings, Alejandro, and hello, everyone. This is your Open Minds News Brief for Monday, October 24th, 2011. SETI Institute senior astronomer Seth Shostak says humans will detect extraterrestrial life in 20 years. In a Popular Science article published by Jennifer Abbasi last week, Shostak was asked several questions about extraterrestrial life. When asked by Abbasi about his timetable prediction for finding extraterrestrial life, Shostak responded, in the course of the next 20 years, it just might happen. He explained, there are other places in the solar system that might have liquid water. To find it requires mounting a big mission with rockets and robots and going to look. The timetable for that is 10, 20, 
30 years, depending on the funding. Funding was recently an issue for SETI. The institute, which uses radio telescopes to listen for alien signals, was forced to suspend operations at its Allen Telescope Array back in April 2011 due to funding issues. But after a successful fundraising campaign called SETI Stars, the telescope array was brought back online in August. Abbasi also asked Shostak when he thinks extraterrestrials will find us on Earth. He replied, finding us is actually harder because how could they find us? You could conceivably pick up our television, our radar, our FM radio, but you have to be close enough for the signals to have gotten to within, say, 70 light years. The number of stars within 70 light years is maybe a few tens of thousands, but it's not a very big number. I don't know what they're going to, I don't know when they're going to find us, uh, but maybe when we've been on the air for a lot longer. It's kind of funny his response. Like, we can find them, but they can't find us. It's ridiculous. I mean, he does point out that Earth is relatively young compared to the rest of the universe. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean, we're using the same idea here that they're going to find us based on our signals. We're going to find them based on their signals. It's a long shot. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. And it doesn't have – there's no imagination or foresight into civilizations that are much, much more advanced than us. I mean – you know, just like people who Michio Kaku who make fun of kind of these sort of statements that SETI makes or Shostak makes, is that a hundred years ago, look at our technology. And I'm kind of, that's kind of how Michio talks. That's weird how I'm able to kind of channel some Minio, Michio. A hundred years ago, look at our technology. We were riding in buggies, you know, steam. And now look out of it. A hundred years ago, there's no way we would have been able to imagine the iPhone and these technologies that we have now. So in a hundred years from now, there are going to be things that we could never conceive of right now because they're just going to be different and, and incredible. So if you take these civilizations who may be around hundreds or thousands of years longer than we have, their capabilities are just completely you know, unknown to us. So right. it's kind of silly. And you know, depending on how far ahead of us they may be in technology or behind us in technology. I mean, think about us. I mean, we're not going around looking for somebody sending out Morse code or something. I mean, you think technology is old, you're done with it. You move on. In fact, I think, you know, it's because I used to think about this. I used to ask people, do you think one day we're going to travel in time? And if they said yes, then that means that most likely someone from the future is traveling here right now. You kind of believe that one is akin to the other. And it's similar. If you believe there are advanced civilizations out there that are, say, let's say a thousand years more advanced than us, then they probably have these monitoring technologies that are so far advanced what we may have that it's very possible, if not probable, and some of us believe it's happening, we're being monitored right now. It's not that hard to conceive, I don't think. But also, you know, I I do like to point out that we do like to jump to that generalization that extraterrestrials are so far beyond our technology. We like to do that huge grouping, all extraterrestrials together. And, you know, I'll throw out the the Star Trek scenario. You you have many different Mm -hmm. types of extraterrestrials, and they're all on different levels. I mean, look at the Ferengi. They were mm-hmm. morons. Morons, Alejandro. No, they were they were very fiscally intelligent. 
They they certainly liked money. I, I wouldn't call them intelligent. They were money grubbing, and well, they did everything saying, for the though, dollar. Is that if but, there are civilizations thousands of years beyond us, just one, that would mean that they have these technologies that are beyond what we can even comprehend, and including monitoring technologies, and they could be watching us. Right. Or at least have it noted that there are these talking monkeys on planet XJ43. If they have any interest in our old television shows, yeah. Well, no, not even with radio. There's multiple ways. There's light. We've been sending out light, electric light now for a number of years. They could be looking at that. Uh, There's another different things that we radiate. It could be just like we do. Uh, The different gases, they could be seeing that there are there's pollution and there's carbon, there's people, there's a, there's the technology to burn carbon and create electricity. They could just be monitoring those tor- sort of changes in our atmosphere to tell that there's a, a civilization here. There's a number. We can't even imagine all the different ways that they could be. Who knows? Maybe they can even just monitor our brain power. There's some sort of energy. We don't know. Don't freak me out. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, if they are looking at our light, they they certainly could not have missed the uh, the beam of light coming off the Luxor yeah. casino in Vegas. Maybe the I Luxor, awesome. when they switched that on, there were a bunch of civilizations that were like, what's that? Holy cow. That made contact for sure. Yep, there's some crazy monkeys on that planet that are gambling their butts off. I hope they don't view us as monkeys. I like monkeys, but... Um, I would be honored to be viewed as a monkey. I love monkeys. They are pretty cool. Yeah. Well, in other news, Alejandro, Gary Travis, resident of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, recently shot video of multiple UFOs in the night sky. Travis initially thought this series of offshore lights could be airplane landing lights. But after observing the behavior of the UFOs, this veteran pilot with 40 years experience ruled out airplane landing lights. He explained to NBC affiliate WMBF, these lights seem to snap on and off like someone flipped a switch. I even saw them rotate around each other, and that's not going to happen on an airplane. When it comes to UFO sighting reports, pilots are typically thought to be highly credible and reliable witnesses due to the training and experience related to objects in flight. Journalist Leslie Kane's 2010 New York Times bestseller, UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and Government Officials Go on the Record, features eyewitness accounts from multiple pilots for this very reason. According to WMBF, UFOs are reported fairly frequently in the Grand Strand area of South Carolina, which includes Myrtle Beach. Travis says he has never seen anything like the mysterious lights he recently observed. And after we reported this story last week, Gary Travis contacted us and clarified that his video was actually shot in Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina, rather than Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, as originally reported. Ocean Isle Beach is approximately 20 miles north of Myrtle Beach. According to Travis, this incident was the fourth time he'd seen these orange lights in Ocean Isle this year. The three previous sightings occurred back in June. Travis recently uploaded his original high-definition video of his latest sighting and explains that, quote, it captures a uh, a dozen total objects at random points. Note that the large orb at the top is a full moon and the lights on the horizon in the distance is a lighthouse. A comment left on Travis's YouTube video suggests that that, uh, the lights could be military flares, But Travis responded, one of the lights I didn't record was observed cruising horizontally at over 100 miles per hour. I've never seen a flare do that. I guess you had to be there like I was. That's the whole thing with these investigations with people like this guy is that he's an expert witness. He's a a pilot, and um, unlike some skeptics, I do believe that pilots 
are more educated on what they, they see. I agree. Just that, because they have the education. But, unfortunately, the video and the photos, you know, it's hard to, to really determine anything for us who weren't there right. off of those things. So, even these people commenting, well, that looks like it could be this or that, which sometimes skeptics do. It's hard unless you're there. The best thing you can have is just someone on site, an expert witness like this. Uh, what's exciting about this story, too, is that he got a hold of us and sent us some more stuff, which is really cool. Uh, and that's all you can do is just uh, evaluate, which is typical for MUFON. They evaluate the credibility of the witness, in this case, a, a highly credible witness, um, and what he saw. And uh, unfortunately, the video, it's difficult to say it's something indefinitely right yeah uh, i mean abnormal. this this particular story you know the the witness testimony counts for a lot and that's the, the strongest part of the story because like you said you look at the photo you look at the 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 video and it really just looks like airplane landing lights mm-hmm. and right there at the very very beach he's talking about there's an airport right there mm-hmm. so you know one would think obviously that's airplanes coming in for a landing but you have this pilot there who is there frequently. He has 40 years' experience. He knows what landing lights look like. Yeah. And he describes other behaviors that weren't captured on video, but you know, going on his word, there were these other behaviors that aren't airplane behaviors. So Yeah. If he was just some normal guy, you know, uh, someone like, like me, someone who's maybe someone that's not related to a pilot a Joe or Lunchbox. something like that, a Joe Lunchbox then maybe you could blow it off a little easier. But I think these cases are a lot more interesting because I've talked to a lot of these people and they're not arbitrarily calling everything a UFO, especially a pilot. They're certain about what they see. Correct. We have another story here. Uh, cameras at Lincoln Airport in Nebraska recorded a bright object streaking through the early morning sky on Wednesday, October 19th as it shot toward the Earth. Witnesses contacted the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office to report the UFO. According to ABC News, deputies were dispatched six miles northwest of Lincoln, where the mysterious object was thought to have crashed down, but no debris or damage was located. But a similar UFO was seen in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at the same time as the Lincoln UFO. So the two incidents are most likely one and the same. Sioux Falls is more than 200 miles north of Lincoln, so it's not surprising that deputies from the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office found no debris during their search. Aberdeen News reports that law enforcement officials were also called by witnesses in Sioux Falls. One witness described that she was on her deck, and all of a sudden, quote, the deck lit up and an orange and blue object streaked off, leaving a trail of smoke behind, end quote. She, like many other witnesses, was startled and unsure about what she observed. Officers from Sioux Falls Police Department also observed the streaking light in the sky. But according to the Argus Ledger, or Argus Leader, rather, the National Weather Service has offered their suggestion for what the UFO was. Tim Masters, a technician with the National Weather Service in Sioux Falls, asserted, it wasn't a UFO, it was a meteor. Did you watch that one, Alejandro? Uh, a video? It's actually a, I think there was a video with it, but mainly the still, well, yeah, it was a video. And it has a, a streak, it's just, it lasts like four seconds long. The streak of light shooting down. I don't remember. I, I read the story, but I don't remember the video. Yeah. Just a streak. It definitely looks uh, like a typical meteor would. So it's difficult to tell anything beyond that. There weren't any 
bizarre behavior descriptions that I saw, but uh, a lot of typical media descriptions, and it was seen, like I said, through multiple states. Mm-hmm. So, so that one most likely meteor, but unsure. Interesting. It's interesting how we're getting a lot more meteors lately. A I lot. guess we have had a couple of comets close, and usually the tail uh, creates debris. But it's interesting, yeah, like the one I saw, that was extraordinary. I mean, huge. And usually it doesn't seem like you have many stories of those huge meteorites, except for every so often. There seem to be be bigger ones. And and, the videos of those incredible fireballs. Right. I mean, more people have video cameras now. You know, everybody has cell phones with video cameras, Mm -hmm. so maybe that is contributing. But you're right, we're seeing so many more stories about these meteors and big meteors that are very bright mm-hmm. in the sky that people are seeing across multiple states. And according to astronomers and other people, they, they they say, oh, yeah, meteor, no big deal. They actually happen all the time. But we haven't heard this many reports and seen this many, these many videos of such bright meteors like this year. This year's been crazy yeah. with those. And, I mean, I've been doing, you know, we post the news stories on the website on a daily basis. I've been doing that. I was doing that before Open Minds with MUFON for several years. Mm-hmm. So I've been following the headlines for years, very closely, daily. And, yeah, it's only in, like, the last year that we've had so many huge fireballs. We've had a lot a lot of the, I guess, more traditional-looking meteor, possible meteor sightings that are really big in the news. But you're right. We have so many fireballs now too that could be meteors as well but you know these fireballs that that make the news as well so don't know what's up with that what's going on what's man? going on with them ufos yeah well here's a very interesting story from last week uh two british tourists allegedly recorded video of an extraterrestrial in brazil's mammoth region of the amazon jungle the video focuses on a group of young children but as the Daily Mail describes, in the background, there's a small being standing side-on just to the right of a tree, appearing to arch its back. There's also a strange gl- glowing light in the video, just a few feet from the supposed ET. This light appears to hover in the air and pulse, changing color from blue to white. The identity of the tourist who shot the video is unknown, but according to The Sun, paranormal writer Michael Cohen obtained the video from these unnamed tourists. Cohen, who told the Sun, quote, this is highly compelling footage that will be hard to discredit, end quote, was allegedly inundated with requests from Hollywood producers wanting to use the footage in various productions. He claims that the video, quote, will be used in direct collaboration with an American film and will serve to highlight this as proof of this footage's veracity, end quote. But Cohen, who operates the website allnewsweb.com, has been accused of hoaxing and or promoting hoaxed UFO ET videos in the past, calling his credibility into question. A recent example is that Skinny Bob Zeta Reticula video that was like a aged video to look like it was mm-hmm. supposedly this creature recovered from the Roswell crash. Um, and that video also had these strange mysterious origins, and Michael Cohen happened to get this video. Well, some have suggested that the alleged creature in the Brazil video is nothing more than an inflatable alien. That would be consistent with the alien's behavior in the video, as it doesn't move at all during the 44 seconds. However, the true identity could simply be nature, 
what is assumed to be the alien's eye appears to be nothing more than jungle foliage, but it's always possible that a genuine extraterrestrial was captured on camera too. There's no way to truly know what was recorded on the video by this mysterious pair of tourists. It's an interesting video, but I think this is just seeing what people want to be there. I think it's just yeah, rocks so or trees too. or something. Because some of the pieces, one looks like what was the eyeball or one part of it looks like it's a leaf because it, it moves separate than the, the body. I think you're right. I think it's not... I think the the light, the glowing light is actually more interesting than the supposed E.T. because it looks to be something static. And the people that are standing there, there's even a couple of kids that look back through the forest and stuff. They're not reacting. No, no they don't react deal. at all. They definitely look back, but yeah. they're like, uh, and they turn right back yeah. around. Like a kid would if they're just kind of ha- hanging out and right. looking around. I mean, uh, yeah, they're not reacting to some alleged alien or anything. Right. And with the with the orb, you know, it's, it's possible that is CGI, though I don't know, probably not. Um, I know Mark D'Antonio suggested that um, that could be the sun uh, coming through oh, right. the trees or something, yeah. and that's just the, the, the camera um, interpreting the, the data yeah. differently and changing the color yeah. on it. That's a possibility. Uh, he also suggests that um, he mentioned something about the head moving, appearing that it moves in the video. I, I didn't get that impression when I looked at the video. I don't think the head actually moves. And, and like he points out, that, that what's supposed to be the head of this creature doesn't appear to be attached to the body. Yeah. Which makes it seem like it's two different things. looks like a thing separate. But when you watch it, I, I think what actually moves are the leaves that look like the eyeball in front of it. That moves and it gives yeah. the illusion that the head is moving. I think moving. you're right because that's what I saw. The other thing is interesting on this one is – or with Cohen, I don't know that he's ever hoaxed anything, but – uh, the Russian one, especially, where the Russians supposedly found this alien and it turned out to be chicken and bread. Right. I mean, he denied that that was the case, even when the people who made it admitted it. And he suggested that, you know, the government uh, tricked him into saying that when the thing was obviously chicken and bread, you know, it yeah. was not real. So it could be that just he really believes his stuff and gets excited about it and has a hard time letting go. But uh He's certainly very Makes quick, a, yeah, that's very quick to the push best out judge. the information. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hunter, I got one one more story to push out here. Let's go. Billy Ray Cyrus snapped a photo of multiple UFOs yesterday. I know you're a big Billy Ray fan, Alejandro, or more of a fan of Miley Cyrus, probably. But he posted the photo to his Twitter account along with the description, quote, Okay, my first UFO sighting. Looks like five or six disc-like shapes hovering. Special moment for dad. I don't know why he refers to himself as dad. That's kind of strange. Well, lots of dads do. Especially because, you know, something that the other... Because he uh, was going to make that show with his kid, debunking UFOs. Well, and I, I think anymore, most people know him for being Miley Cyrus's dad. And in fact, what was yeah. it, the Daily Telegraph? Daily Mail. Da- Daily Mail did their their article today about this. and that's Miley's what, dad. Miley, Miley's dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, back in September um, of... Last year, September 2010, the Sci-Fi Channel announced that it was developing a new reality show called UFO, Unbelievably Freaking Obvious, starring Billy Ray Cyrus and his son Trace. And that nothing is developed with that yes, as far who knows? as we know. I mean, they were supposedly going into production back yeah. in September 2010, and there has been no additional updates with that. So, Yeah, it could be that he thought he saw UFOs, or it could be that he was just an inside joke between him and his son. That look, this is what the type of thing that people say is UFOs. Possibly, 
Possibly. Yeah, it's it's an interesting photo, but it looks just like a sunset, a, a cloudy sunset, and the sun shining on some splotchy clouds. Yeah. That's really all, all that you can tell from the photo. So yeah. I don't know what he saw in person, but yep. But I, I'm glad he's excited about UFOs anyway. So, mm-hmm. so yep. hopefully he keeps looking, and I don't think I want his show to happen because I think they're just going to make fun of UFOs. Yeah. Anyway, Alejandro, that is it for the news for today. Remember to check out all of these stories and many, many more at OpenMinds.tv, your source for UFO-related news. I'm Jason McClellan, your Open Minds news correspondent, and you have just been briefed. Back to you, Alejandro. All right. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, a couple of the stories that we have on the website are, uh, like we've talked about, the 37-degree latitude line, which we're going to talk to uh, Chuck and Debbie about in just a minute. And then we also have part two to that Mexican government and the 2012 Mayan calendar where uh, Antonio had done some more research into the claims that the Mexican government's going to release some information that the Mayans had actually had relations with extraterrestrials. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get our guests on the line, Chuck and Debbie, the paranormal siblings. It is wonderful to have on the phone two of my best buddies. Uh, In general, the paranormal siblings, Parasibs. You guys call yourself the Parasibs because, you know, you got to shorten everything. Chuck Zukowski and Debbie Ziegelmeyer. Hello. 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 The only brother and sister paranormal team in the United States as far as we know of the world. Thank you very much. (laughs) <laughs> There's probably others, but who knows? Oh, they're not as good as us. Uh, come on, really? No, our no, caliber? No. Really, our caliber? Come on, really? Seriously? Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of that, let me do some introductions. We have Chuck Zukowski, who uh, runs the blog website, ufonet.com. Uh, he's done a lot of different type of paranormal work. You do ghost hunting, Bigfoot stuff, UFO stuff. Uh, I know, especially locally, and you've been on some TV shows. You've been on some national TV stuff. Uh, so you're you're a busy paranormal dude. Yes, I, uh, sometimes, most of the time. And then there's Debbie, and Debbie is the state director for MUFON in uh, Missouri, which has been very busy because they've had a lot of UFO sightings. And congratulations because you recently became so a board member. Of MUFON, but you're an interim board member? Correct. So, yes. <laughs> when will they determine if they're going to keep you long term? Do you have to, like, capture a set number of extraterrestrials, uh, like in six months or something? Oh, yes. I've already reached that number. All right. <laughs> you reached no, your um... quota. <laughs> Well, I think all she has to do is wear something sexy, Alejandro, and I think that'll pretty much get her in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, no, um, uh, I have a, I believe I have a three-year term, a three-year term just like the other board members. And um, the reason for the position is when a board member retires, there's someone else with the same expertise that can fit right into that position. And so you know, I have somebody... What? Oh, I have an Italian friend in, in, uh, in Florida that uh, has links to the mafia. We could start knocking off some board members so you can get in there quicker. 
hey, I like them. <laughs> These are my friends. <laughs> yeah, come on, let's keep the keep it legit. Oh, what if I was legit? <laughs> nah, nah. You, that's the wrong field. No, oh, it's the wrong field. I'm sorry, Debbie. Go ahead. Hello. So, oh, hello. Um, oh, am I? So, <laughs> anyway, um, that, that's how it works. How it works. There's three of us, and as soon as there's a position open, then I, I would move into that position as that member retires. Okay, so that makes sense. So it's a three-year deal, and uh, they just renew that every three years. Correct. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, right. Cool. Well, great. Congratulations on that. How's it going? Uh, busy. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've already got tasks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, very very busy. Um, uh, especially here in Missouri. Are but you, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Are you the only one, uh, a board member who's also a state director? Uh, no. Um, I think most of them. Let's see. I think most are. Most are correct. I think most are. Oh, they are. Well, Cliff just became um, one, but John isn't, or Tom Dooley isn't, Tom, or he uh, is. They were, I believe. Uh, you, uh, I think uh, Jan Harzan uh, is, is he, is he assistant now? I think at one time he, he was, I'm not really sure. Well, the three of us, the three new um, interim um, board members are. are all and I know, some, I know some of the other ones aren't, but... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm babbling here a little bit. I've had about four hours sleep a night for the past two weeks. Oh, we've no. Got, we've got a UFO flap going on in the state of Missouri. So. Yeah, you guys are super busy. So we'll talk about that, too, because, uh, you know, as far as states go, Missouri is one of the busiest. So let's. there's one question I want to ask before we get into some of that, though. Is, mm-hmm. I can't remember the details, but I remember that uh, for a period of time, you, uh, Debbie and Chuck, you didn't know you were both into the paranormal. And then you discovered that about each other and then started um, getting really involved. How did that happen? Well, uh, what happened was is we were both abducted, and then we saw each other up in the craft. And we said, hey. And she said, hey. And that pretty much started it right there. <laughs> and I said, that's wrong. That's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> No, come on. Family reunion, wasn't it, <laughs> Yeah, we were. Uh, we did a family reunion an early Thanksgiving, and uh, we got to talking about Roswell and found out we were both doing research. Chuck oh. had been there, I had not, and uh, we planned our first uh, investigation, our first road trip together, and that was, I think, what 2000, and it's kind of been yeah, yeah 1999 around 2000 when we really started right. looking up. Right. How funny was that? Shocking to you? No, because you know what was what was funny though was that we, you know, he lives in Colorado and you know I live here in Missouri, but we got along so well considering that I mean, um, you know, we're brother and sister. I mean, we really didn't hang around together when we were kids, but um, I I looked at, I watched the same movies, we watched the same TV shows, uh, <laughs> we would come back at each other. We had the favorite our favorite lines that we knew. We were. We were shooting lines from Caddyshack back and forth to each other, and the rest of the family <laughs> thought we were crazy. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. So, <laughs> so you were like, "Well, this is my craziest sibling, so they're probably into this stuff." Well, it, it, uh, it turned out that it turned out that you know we have six kids in the family, and you know I have three um, older sisters and two younger brothers, and um, 
you know, it just we just have so much in common. Uh, I'm sorry to say, sometimes you, you, my other uh, sisters uh, are a little jealous because you know Debbie and I do so much together. Uh-huh. Because you know we we have this we have this hobby that you know we really have a love for, and obviously you know I mean it's, you have to have a love for this to be able to do this. Because you know if once you think it's work, then you know you obviously don't want to do it because that's that's what we do for a paycheck. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> But, you know, when we started talking and, and, like Debbie was saying, quoting movies, and then it turned out we were a lot of the movies, the science fiction movies, you know, we, we watched and stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, we need to get together and, and start, you know, doing some investigations together. And uh, and since then, we've, we've really built a strong relationship with each other based on ufology and sharing knowledge back and forth. And, and that's how, you know, we if it wasn't for the sharing knowledge back and forth, I would have known about how, you know how much of an impact Missouri was with the 37 degree latitude thing. So, you know, there's there's some really big trade-offs and payoffs, I should say, you know, for having well, a sister in another state that's involved in this. Yeah. And being a brother a brother sister team too, I I look at things from a different point of view than Chuck does, and so we complement each other very well. Uh-huh. I look at something, you know, at, um, I'm more uh, Chuck's analytical, um, but um, I see things differently. I mean, it's really hard to explain, but between the two of us, we can gather twice as much information as as um, in one investigation than two. I would say two gentlemen or two lady investigators, because we we've got the advantage of looking at it through two different points of view. Mm-hmm. And what I don't think of, well, what I don't think of, he does, and we doesn't think of, I do, and and we just we complement each other very well. Mm-hmm. And you know when we have disagreements, you know we're just brother and sister having disagreements. So you know it's uh, unlike some other famous uh, you know duos out there that you know parted company, you know because they've had issues you know doing investigations together. Um, you know we just we just kind of resolve it right there. And uh, oh yeah, the last time I was in Missouri, I pretty much you know talked her here you know her ear off. <laughs> she was probably ready for me to uh, to fly back, but. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, nah. like you said, you know, we uh, we complement each other really well. You know, she's a little bit of country, I'm a little bit of rock and roll, and it, it, just, it just flies together really well. Well, and like Debbie well, was that, alluding to, I think the male-female thing, because Debbie can say, Chuck, you can't do that because that's sexual harassment. And Chuck can tell Debbie, no, don't do that because then we'll look like sissies. So you can see <laughs> from a different point of view. No, actually, she doesn't, she's not even that polite. She just hits me. <laughs> I just smack them, right? She just smacked me, and then I kind of know, okay, I stepped over the line. But uh, it worked out really well, and and we've actually gained a we've gained a lot of uh, information through some of the investigations, especially Roswell, just based on uh, you know the way that she thinks and the way that I think, and and it, it kind of just kind of you know uh, it's like a you know like two half circles that kind of meet. We're a full circle, and we get a full circle of knowledge here. So, you know, um, I think that's why some other people I talk to, they go, you know, that's, that's really cool. I can't believe you actually do this with your sister. And and not only that, but because there's a trust, sibling trust with each other, we can go into places where I'd be afraid to take someone else that I'm not really that familiar with into a situation where there's a lot of danger involved. And, and people out there listening, uh, there is a big danger doing UFO investigations. I guarantee it. You know, uh, you could... You get followed. You get, you, you know, people watch you. They, they, you know, they know everything about you, and and uh, you have to be careful not to step over the line. Step over the line, and you'll be one of the 2,600 people missing every week in in, in the United States. We have close to 85,000, oh, 850,000 
people missing every year in the United States without a trace. So, you know, and you think those are UFO to, people? <laughs> I'm thinking some of them are, and I think some of them, you know, obviously, there's other reasons. But, um, you know, hmm. it, it's still kind of scary statistic when you look at it. And, you know, especially when you start looking back in, you know, in the days where supposedly we had contracts, you know, from, with the government with, with aliens to allow abductions and makes you wonder how many abductions went wrong and who didn't come back home. And, you know, you, you know these are just thoughts that just kind of fly through your head. But when you're out in the middle of the night, you know, doing an investigation and you've got your sister beside you, you know that, you know, if, uh, you know, you can trust, I can trust my sister, she can trust me. And, and we have this kind of a, you know, we have a, a really good idea of, of how each other thinks. So a lot of times, you know, we'll be thinking the same thing and, and we don't have to, you know, it just kind of flows a little better. And besides, I think I can outrun her, just in case I have to. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Chuck, Chuck's, making, know that. Chuck's making himself sound like a sissy now. Oh, oh I tell you what. He has a sissy unless he has his sister with him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm a sissy no, without he, my sissy. <laughs> he, he keeps me safe because a lot of times I'll go into something full force, you know, yeah. head on, and he's like, you need to back up a little bit here. Wait a minute. And, and I've done a lot of things. We've been on the phone, and I've been doing investigation. He'd say, you need to leave in the home. I'm going, wait a minute. I say, five more minutes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we complement each other very well. Yeah, I said, you should be five minutes on the road already. <laughs> but that's what we do. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, uh, it was just one of these things where we were at a family reunion started talking, and uh, um, it's really funny. But, you know, this is this is kind of a, a love that we have. And um, and I don't, know, I don't know about, you know, her spouse, Wayne. He's starting to get into it just a little bit. But, you know, mine, you know, Tammy, she's, uh, she's still a skeptic. And, and, really, and that kind of helps me. It complements me in a way where mm-hmm. – uh, I have to make, you know, my investigations almost bulletproof because, you know, I have the number one stuff that's living in the house. But it's nice <laughs> when, I, when I do investigations with Debbie because I can just be open and free and not have anybody laugh at me. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Well, and something else, too, that I, that I wanted to bring up that was that when we interview witnesses, you know, there's a lot of times uh, Chuck will start talking to somebody and, and I can see him start to back off. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, I'll step in and they'll feel more comfortable. And it works both ways. Uh, there's a lot of times we'll be interviewing somebody who's former military. Uh, he, they can relate more to Chuck than they can to me. We've got a witness who maybe has had a traumatic situation um, that's a female. She can relate more to me. So between the two of us, um, it, you know, we, we've got um, a lot of that and equipment too. So between the two of us, we can make our witness feel comfortable. We, we um, have co- uh, what equipment I don't have, he has. Uh, we share expenses. And then also, like um, <laughs> he said, his wife really isn't involved. My husband isn't involved. Uh, we, I can, we can actually travel together and share the same hotel room, and there, is, there aren't issues with our marriages. Right. Uh, so <laughs> at all. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, no, we have to just make sure that we, we specify that they are separate beds. Okay. Right. Oh, absolutely. Ooh. We're not. Yeah. Well, we're not. We're not from Arkansas. No, no friends. No, no friends. Anybody out there from Arkansas? I think people <laughs> will understand that. Well, you know, seriously, uh, you know, it really helps out. You know, there's one particular case where Debbie actually held down the witness. I just beat the hell out of him, and we got the information we needed. So that really worked out well. No, actually, in real life, what happened was is we were doing a, an investigation in Roswell. Uh, well, not in Roswell, but in, in Lincoln County. And, and, and Debbie is more familiar with, uh, you, know, you know, country folk. And because of that, um, she was able to understand things 
uh, and be able to help, you know, we came to communicating with the ranchers there. And not only that, but uh, um, she found some evidence. And I don't mind saying that, you know, uh, I think it was Don Smith had some evidence. And he's trying to figure out something that a you know, rancher had written. And, and she read it. She goes, well, that means that, that means that, and that means that. And she gave it back to him and said, you're done. And he's been working on it for a while because she was able to read it and she knew what ranchers, how they think and, and, and how they were right. She figured it right out. So, I mean, it, you, that's really a plus, mm-hmm. you know, especially from, you know, when it came to another investigator, they couldn't figure it out. So luckily I have that commodity, that asset with me when we go on investigation. So that's pretty cool. So yeah. I really enjoy oh, it. I wish oh. other people are out there too, that, you know, that, that have that opportunity. Yep. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, we use words like cipher and... <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> one aught, aught plus one aught plus. <laughs> yeah, I um, thought it was Pig Lab, but she knew exactly what it was. But, but no, seriously, it does, it does help out. And we got some really cool witnesses in Corona and also in Lincoln, Lincoln County yeah. uh, right there at the debris site. They, you know, we took you out there that one time. The rancher that lived close to that, uh, you know, that area... Uh, wow, you know, we pulled over and talked with them. She just jumped right out, and it was like, you know, they knew each other forever. So that's, you know, that's a plus well, there's, there's to a, have there's that. There's a certain, they expect a certain type of respect. Um, there, there's respect among country people, and if you're in their territory and on their land, you pull over when they start to pull up and let them greet, and you talk back and forth. If you just breeze on by them. Um, yeah. You know, there's issues. And yeah. So, I mean, there's just there's just thing, just protocol. I'm just used to country protocol out here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically it's simple. Well, cool. That's I mean, right. it is cool. It's helpful, and uh, um, you're a neat, unique group. So it's cool to have you both on today. But let's get into this uh, 37 degree, and of course, this will start in Colorado, uh, kind of where the story story starts, and then move to Missouri. And we'll probably end with all of the the exciting stuff going on in Missouri. But, um, Chuck, this kind of started when, uh, like I had written about, I just posted a story today on all of this. And then you have a blog, of course, on all of this. But it started when you were trying to look for a correlation between your cattle mutilations and then uh, these, these earthquakes took place, right? Yeah, well, what happened was, was you know, um, you know, I, I've done enough cattle mutilations now within the past two and a half years. You and I actually you investigated you know, enough cattle mutilations. Yes, I, I, mean, I haven't done them. I've investigated. Thank you. See how she compliments me and, and helps me out. For people going, now we found out who, who's doing it. It's a damn UFO mud guy. Um, so I've investigated, I've investigated enough of them, uh, and you, you know, you helped me with the with the first one, where. Um, you know, I, I, I'm starting to see a correlation of, of evidence now of, uh, of symmetry and, and some other things that, that are in common. And so I was, you know, I, I was kind of following that, and I was, you know, I was putting some stuff down, getting ready for the uh, you know, Midwest UFO conference in Kansas City, Missouri. And literally, it struck me, and what struck me was the earthquake here in Colorado. Uh, you know, it was a 5.3 magnitude earthquake, and it was centered somewhere down by, you know, uh, oh, with the border of uh, Colorado and New Mexico, and I thought, well, that was that was lovely. I was actually working on my PowerPoint when, when that happened, and the next day, it was just within 15 hours, I'm at work, and then there was another earthquake, and that was in, you know, in Virginia on the East Coast, and that was a, a 5.8. And I have a cool little app on my on my smartphone that uh, that I can keep track of earthquakes. So I got on real quick, and 
And I looked at the, the Colorado one, and it said, oh, I have 37 new letters. And she got back. And I started thinking, wow, because I was looking at my cattle mute stuff last night, and I was realizing every one of the cattle mutilation investigations I've done in San Luis Valley and, and good parts of San Luis Valley is 37 new latitude. Then I looked at the Virginia one and went, oh, my God, that's a 37 new latitude. Then I went a little further, and I started doing some research when I got home from work that night and realized that the Colorado one, um, you know, the um, – that the earthquake fault runs north to south, not east to west. So there's really, I mean, it's called the Sunday Crystal Fault, you know, in, in Colorado. And there was no way that that could have, you know, been in common with the central Virginia seismic zone or, the, or its fault that ran north to south. So they, they can't be related. You know, they mm-hmm. actually aren't, I mean, it's impossible. There's just too much rent, too much stuff in between. And I'm thinking, wow, that's 37 to So that started to spark me. I went, wow, I need to look into this and see what's going on. So uh, I started researching exactly like you were doing, you know, with the UFO hotspot, you know, across the United States. So what I started doing is I started looking within a 37-degree latitude zone across the U.S. and seeing what type of sightings, you know, were occurring in those areas. And, uh, I mean, um, uh, you know, originally, I mean, I spent a couple of days, you know, days doing that. I ended up with, uh, you know, well over 55, 60 sighting uh, within, you know, uh, a year or so, just within the last year that, uh, that happened in that area or within across the U.S. So then I go, well, that's interesting. I noticed a couple pop up in the area. So I go, man, I got to call Daddy because if anybody knows about any type of UFO sighting in Missouri, give him the guy, you know, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and so I called her up and, and she said, Oh my God! Let me let me let me start looking at this. And I'll get back, and it was just a few minutes. And she just jumped right on it and started looking at it. She goes back. She goes, "Yeah, I've got this sign, this sign, this sign. All this has happened, and, and I can, you know, you can talk to her about those signs. They're pretty cool sightings. The, the Joplin lights, they fall in the, you know, pretty seventy lights. I mean, all this stuff, and and then Ken, uh, Ken, you know, Ken, Ken Storch, uh, right. Yeah, if you did a cattle mutilation investigation in Missouri uh, a year or so ago, now it's 37 degree latitude. And so I'm thinking, now I got Colorado and Missouri, and I got these other states. I'm going, holy mackerel, what the hell's going on here? And that's how it started. <laughs> and then you found your paranormal freeway. Then that exactly. Then um, I started mapping them all and, and looked at it, and, and uh, I was thinking, oh my gosh. This is really not only that, but you know, uh, remember the Mantel incident? Which you one? Know, where uh, the Mantel wasn't the one we went up and, and chased the UFO? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a 37 degree latitude. Also, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Dulce is real close to it. Aztec crash is, is right on the border. I mean, you're right there. Area 51 is in 37 degree latitude. I'm thinking, wow. I mean, I, I, I mean, seriously, I'm married to a skeptic, and that's and. And so I still have to be somewhat skeptical, but all of a sudden getting all this information, it can't be the face. I'm like, how much information do I need to get, get in the face before I realize, you know what, this isn't just coincidence anymore. It's something real about this. And then um, it was really a pleasure and, and an honor, thank you very much, to, to remember the 37 degree when you were doing the, uh, you know, looking at the sightings across the U.S., and then all of a sudden there's a correlation between what you were doing and then what I did, which added a little more validity to this. And now they got something that I think we really, really got to look at. Yeah. That not only if we, if we can figure out, and this is so cool for the people out there listening, seriously, because as UFO investigators, you know, we always look for 
type of evidence. Like, evidence doesn't have to be physical where we can pick it up and hold it, but evidence of where how we can or where or how we can predict sightings in the future so we can get the evidence we need. And if we can figure out the paranormal freeway, if we can get an idea of not only where the sightings are occurring, but we can start looking at the repetitiveness, I guess that's right or not, but, um, and, and try and figure out certain times of the year and, and when we can be out there. And I mean, oh my gosh, this is huge. If we can get out there and get the evidence, have it happening, oh my gosh, there's your smoking gun. Yeah, one so of the things that the first step. I found interesting in this was I, you know, was looking at these hotspots. I'm trying to figure out why certain areas are hotspots. And nothing holds through. You know, it's not because of more U.S. bases. It's not because of nuke silos or, or nuke bases. And I, it's not the areas because lots of people assumed it would be areas where it's sunnier more often. But that's not the case. It would be uh, further south. You would have Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. But you don't have that. So I was really and perplexed until... And it's not the places either that are the most populated, like you said. Right. And what was interesting with your map, too, another thing that correlates with what I found was you have Kentucky and Missouri with full of sightings that you had found, and Kentucky and Missouri and Indiana were all in that top ten uh, as far as population in, re in uh, reporting a lot of UFOs. And, that, and that's what's cool. So when, when people come um, and, and, and please, you know, visit open minds and, and look at what Alejandro has, has written up, and then if you want, you can, you know, zip over to my website. But um, if you look at the map, think of it as if it's a regular paranormal freeway, as a regular freeway, as a thoroughfare, uh, I guess is how you would mm -hmm. say, where, you know, where you would take an exit and you get off and come back on. You know, don't think that all your sightings have to be in a straight line. Uh, like Alejandro had pointed out, I mean, there's a lot of space there that it's very, very easy access to where the majority of sightings are occurring across the U.S. coming off of this 37 degree. So kind of think of it that way. You know, obviously you're not going to just see a string of sightings just on a, just within that one latitude that's kind of kind of spinning out a bit. And I'm looking at that going, oh my gosh, you know, and why? Um, and that's where I'm kind of help, you know, hoping that you know. Debbie or, you know, you know, investigators, you know, with a lot of experience like Debbie and, and all hands with some other ones out there. Um, and you've already started it with, with your UFO hotspot pair at a hand brew, which is what you put on your <laughs> on your on your website. Um, that that hopefully we can find out why. I mean I've looked at uh I try to look at ley lines, I try to look at uh aurora sometimes the um aurora energy, even though we don't see the auroras I mean, the energy actually drops down into like a curtain. Uh, it didn't really fall down that far in, but it, it does touch a little bit, you know, on the high side of where your studies are. We we're trying to look for what's, what's, what was caused, what's the reason, you know, like Lazard, are the gravity V waves, you know, flying around uh, or, or, or routing around at, you know, at, at 37 degree latitude that, that the spaceships can, can use or, or, or you know, sorry. I was just going to say what I found though uh, that was kind of weird is that all of the states along the 37 latitude line um, are on the top 10 except for Virginia and Utah and California, and they are actually per population very low on the list. 
Um, so they're not even close. I thought, well, if they're in the top 15, maybe. But no, these are really low. Now, California is a very long state. Uh, it's very tall. So who knows? Maybe if uh, someone was able to graph where the sightings are mostly in California, maybe they would be along there. But those were states that was kind of weird that weren't didn't fit. So it really kind of ended in the in the Kentucky. Um, and what's weird is that it goes up from Kentucky, and you have Indiana and Michigan also uh, with lots of UFO sightings per person. And it's funny because everybody thinks that they have a lot. Oh no, we're the state with the most because of course they're really busy. They've got lots of UFO sightings that they're investigating when you talk to the MUFON uh, guys, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're such a busy state. Uh, so everybody is kind of shocked, but why wasn't I on the list? But, uh, you know, we just go straight by the numbers. But it was kind of interesting, too, of course, because, um, you know, Debbie, you're a good friend of mine, and you're probably out of all the state directors. I know a lot of them, and I like a lot of them in there. They're friends, but you're probably the person that's the closest friend to me, and your state is on there, too, uh, number five, and uh, that was kind of surprising, too. It's kind of neat. I was looking forward. When I saw that, I was looking forward to this moment where we can all get together and talk about this. Well, what's kind of interesting about uh, the, the 37-degree latitude is, um, do, do you remember or do you know much about the Piedmont flap, the UFO flap in 1973? That was Piedmont the year I was is, born. Oh, okay. Well, so Piedmont falls within that area. Um, mm. So does um, um, Joplin Spook Light. Um, Marley Woods is just a, just a touch south of it, but mm. but almost bordering in, into the 36. Um, and Marley so, Woods uh, is, a, is an area, and we talked about this last time you were on the show, but it's an area where there's a lot of uh, weird stuff going on. There's a lot of activity. Ted Phillips has been investigating that area uh, since 1998. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of paranormal activity in and around that area. Um, also in the area, just, just uh, well, we have Lake of the Ozarks, which it, it, it falls um, just a little bit north of that area, but we have a massive amount of water um, mm -hmm. in the middle of the state, which is also something very interesting that can um, coincide with it. Um, but now, our, our Air Force bases, uh, Whiteman Air Force Base is at 38.43. Um, that's near Kansas City. Just across the river from me, Scott Air Force Base, 38.32. Uh, Kansas City is at 39. St. Louis is at 38.37. But that's basically Highway 70 which runs across, you know, the state of Missouri. Uh, you know, so I would think that they'd run their high, if someone's going to have a UFO highway, they'd want to run that a little bit north or south, you know, <laughs> you know that. But, but it's interesting, though, that our bases are, are you know, and we've got Whiteman Air Force Base and Scott Air Force Base, one in Illinois, one in Missouri, and, you know, we've got Scott Air Force 38.3, Whiteman 38.4, well, and McConnell's um, even closer, which is in uh, Kansas. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just across the river right. from um, Scott. And Scott is where um, um, the supplies, when we go overseas to Iraq and Afghanistan, the supplies are coming out of Scott Air Force Base. The B-2s are coming out of Whiteman. Now, 
as for Missouri and sightings, do you find that, uh, and maybe I don't know if you'd be able to correlate this or maybe just anecdotally, do you find that a lot of your cases uh, are uh, concluded as unresolved or unknowns as compared to other places? Um, That might be hard to answer. uh, You mean, (laughs) you know, probably so. Um, And and, and the reason for that is, you know, if if we were there and actually seeing what's going on, I think what I had so far this year was uh, we had, as of September 30th, before we had this additional 55 cases in October, we had 127 cases in um, CMS cases, case management system, called into um, uh, MUFON, Missouri MUFON. Out of those, we had 92 of them that were unknown, uh, 24 identified, seven hoaxes, and we had four insufficient data that, you know, that we were still working on them. And in that time period, um, 53 of those, in, in so far, January through September, were in the Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had 34 reported just in August. So you're talking the first uh, nine months, we had 127, 92 unknowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like a high amount, but, you know, if, if someone says, I saw this thing and it shot across the sky and, you know, it did these funny maneuvers, and it's gone. I mean, you can't go back and try and reenact that, investigate it. You can go down to the site, take pictures of the sky all day, but you probably aren't going to see it again. It's unknown because we don't know what it is. But out, out of those 93, you know, I would I would be comfortable saying at least 25% are, are truly, truly unexplainable mm-hmm. if we had, you know, if, if we act. And then MUFON, um, officially, I think they say about 15% of overall sightings that are unknown. Now, uh, is Missouri, I've never known personally, not that I, I know much about the whole area, Missouri to be known as like a paranormal or UFO hotspot. Is it, as far as you know, I mean, has does it have a reputation like that? Uh, it depends on the year. Uh, 1973 in Piedmont, which is along that 37 degree, um, it, there were so many UFOs reported that year, they actually had uh, Walter Cronkite talked about it on the news. Wow. Uh, they, had, they, had, they had people down there, um, major investigators. So there was a lot, a lot, a lot that went on. Uh, just not too far from there, uh, Wapapella Lake, Clearwater Lake, up until the mid-70s, they saw craft coming in and out of these lakes. And then you didn't have a whole lot going on in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems like in the last year at least, we've had an extremely lot of um, activity, uh, a high volume of activity in the Kansas City area. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot that we can't explain. So, and then... But what, I think it, uh-huh, go ahead. Oh, I, well, I was to say that it, it runs to the... Um, last, uh, 2009, we had rectangle-shaped craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's more triangle-shaped craft. So it, it runs in spurts. And that was more in the St. Louis area. We were having 2009. We had a whole. We had a lot of people reporting things in this area. Moved now to Kansas City area. Hmm. Yeah, and we'll talk more about your recent sightings because you've got a lot going on there in the last couple of months. But in Colorado, you know, going to the other side of the the paranormal freeway, uh, of course, along the 37 line, there's a lot of interesting stuff. There's the San Luis Valley, which has always been a hot spot for all kinds of paranormal stuff. 
there is, you know, Air Force bases. Uh, one people don't know much about, it's the newest Air Force base, Schriever, which is a, a very secretive Air Force base. So there's a lot going on there. And really, um, I don't think it's it's a bias, but and maybe, you know, this would help uh, for, for your input too, Debbie. Um, because I've always lived there, I've always known uh, or always heard of Colorado and especially the San Luis Valley being a hot spot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that you can. Uh, there's there's books. There's several books written by several different investigators. Um, I think that that's been around uh, the San Luis Valley. Um, I believe a lot of well, you had uh, Snippy, the the mm-hmm. horse. This is more the state of Colorado, so we're talking. You know, this is more Chuck's expertise, which was actually lady. But um, yeah, that, that's originally the area where the mutilation started to be investigated. And and just a weekend before last, uh, our good buddy Joe Feck and I, uh, we uh, we went up towards the Telluride area of Colorado to do a Bigfoot investigation. We had some Bigfoot sightings over there, and and, uh, it's a long drive for me to get up there. But Telluride area, where the Bigfoot sightings are, 37 degree latitude, where Tom Cruise has got a house where they have mushroom festivals. Film festivals, it's a it's it's a very spiritual place, and that's where a lot of your high-end uh, um, movie actors and actresses are, you know, vacationing. Now, it used to be Aspen, but now they're getting homes in Telluride. Sort of like, you know, Crestone is over in the San Luis Valley, and a lot of temple, a Buddhist temple, a lot of uh, religions are setting up, uh, you know, um, uh, churches and, 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 and different types of uh, worship areas in the Crestone area because that's uh, in the San Luis Valley, so... Um, 37 degrees. So I don't know what it is, but uh, we're starting to see from the spiritual activity people just migrating to these areas. Not quite sure why. Maybe they're being driven. I don't know, but uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. We're kind of watching it. Well, and, it's, uh, it's always big a big question as to why cattle mutilations uh, started in the area and have been in the United States, no doubt predominant in the area and why it continues in that area specifically. I mean, they've had them throughout the country, but mostly in, on the Colorado-Mexico border there. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it, of course, we don't know why. And, and you're absolutely right. They, do, they just don't happen in, in, in Colorado. You know, I've been getting reports from not only all over the U.S., but, you know, Canada, U.K., New Zealand, Dominican Republic, and I'll tell you, this is this is just happened to me this uh, well end of last week actually because this is uh, it is a Thursday. I guess it wasn't the end of week. I'm sorry, I forgot what day it was. I've been so damn busy just like Debbie. Um, I, I actually got a call from a deputy in Idaho that's working a horse mutilation case. Uh, it was just between us, you know, because I was a former deputy, and he really didn't want to go any, anywhere out to talk to the media or anything about it. He's had multiple horse mutilations within, uh, you know, within about a uh, three or four week period, and so you know he was kind of picking my brain on what to do, and we're setting it up that if we have another one, he's out there within 24 hours, he's going to send me samples. I'm going to send the samples out. But um, here, you know, and this is why I like radio shows like this. I like Open Minds Magazine. I like your website. Where it's a place where people can go, they can research. It's at the magazine. Definitely keep your magazine for archival purposes like we used to keep life magazines back in the day, you know. 
because you'll never know when you need to go back and reference some of this stuff. But we have now, this is the second time I've had a law enforcement individual from another state contact, contact me because there's really nobody out there to help these guys mm-hmm. about mutilation. And why do they go to Colorado? Because, you know, Colorado, hey, you know, we, I think, I'm not going to say we've had the most, but um, I think it's been the most out of the media. Uh, and uh, luckily, you know, we've had good people out here in Colorado to, you know, to initiate investigations. And I'm not saying just me. I'm, I mean, um, you know, I'm following some, some pretty big footsteps of, of other investigators that set the path. So, uh, well, you know, they, I think I think though, New Mexico and Colorado, one of the two is is definitely got the most, and the other one would be number two. I would say I'd be safe in saying that, but. Uh, uh, well, you're probably right, that. because we do get, and, and you're absolutely right, Alejandro, I mean, there's a lot of them going on in the, the New Mexico area close to the Colorado border that mm-hmm. I can't get to, because I just don't hear about it. And, of course, you know where I live, and, you know, it would be, we would talk in six-hour drive every time there is one. Chuck, you don't, oh, man, I'll bet you this is why you don't go over there. You don't need a passport to go to New Mexico. In order to go further <laughs> to Mexico, you can go to New Mexico, buddy. Well, dude, I, I mean, I, I just got my passport. I just got it in the mail just so I could go. I yeah, you I didn't need it. it. No, you could have gone oh, without it. Oh, God damn it. I tell you what, and, and, you, and it's really funny. You hear about the, the strangest things. Uh, I was speeding. <laughs> I was on I-25 in the New Mexico speeding. I got pulled over by a, by a state trooper. And uh, we were talking, and, and I wasn't seeing that much. He basically just told me over to come and slow down, you know, because uh, they'd have some, you know, some animals cross, cross, you know, going across I-25 in the middle of the night. He was a real nice guy. He said, and what I normally do is when I talk to law enforcement to pull me over, I usually talk to them afterwards, you know, I get a ticket or not. You know, have you seen anything out of here? Have you? And as, as it was, not only did they have a UFO sighting a couple of days before, but there also was a tabulation that he actually investigated. This was about a year or so ago, and he said they've had a few of them over there near the uh, the San Jose area. And the cop um, had told you this, and what? And the cop told me, but you know what? They're not going to talk unless unless you talk to them. Yeah. You know, and that's just but you know, and th- and there is a problem with with law enforcement. You know, I got shut down out of law enforcement big time earlier this year because they just refused to even deal with it. And it's really sad because that's just the mentality of this particular law enforcement agency, where they just shut the door and close their eyes. And yet, I had I had I've had two deputies from other states that are very active into investigating. So much so that they've been online doing their own research, and then they find someone and they call them. And all times, obviously, it was me that they called me, and I, and I shared every information that I can on setting up, uh, you know. Well, uh, a binder full of information that I'll be sending out to a couple of individuals in law enforcement mm-hmm. so they, to help them. So, uh, you know, it is happening. Unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, they, they turn their back and close their eyes and they're afraid. I mean, we had one rancher, you know, right there when I was talking to this deputy, you know, he's sitting in his car and we're on a cell phone and, and a rancher pulls up and says, oh, those are meek. No, they're not meek. <laughs> First off, I know meek are pretty, pretty mean animals, but I mean, First off, the deputy says, well, we don't have any meat farms around here. I, I didn't think we were having meat in this area. But then you have just the ignorance of the people that, that refuse to even consider and, and the openness that it could be something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they refuse. Why do they refuse? Because, because it would affect 
their normal way of living. And it's really sad to think that way, but, you know, um, you know, if their if normal way of living is altered in a different way, then it upsets them, I guess. And they just don't want to deal with it. So, you know, they come up with these, these, these ludicrous you know, excuses. I've never seen a, a meat paint down not only a thousand pound cow, but, you know, a thousand plus pound horse. There's no way a horse will fight off a rattlesnake. Right. What's a meat to a rattlesnake? So, I mean, it was just crap. And, and these are just a couple of horses that, that were mutilated. So, um, it's sad, but that's just what we have to deal with as investors. You know that because right. you've been there getting all that. Too. Yeah. Getting back to the hot spots a little bit. Um, you know, and I wanted to ask you about Oregon. I've always known as a hot spot. We get a lot of people on our magazine, and we have a lot of people telling us about sightings. You hear about, we hear about lots of sightings in Oregon, and uh, you know, people will email us and, oh yeah, in Oregon we see UFOs all the time. And I was surprised that you know, it probably out of any state, that's where I get the most of those kind of emails that, oh, yeah, we see them all the time in Oregon. So I wasn't surprised to see them on the list. Nevada, not too surprised. That's where Area 51 is, White Sands, a lot uh, going on. You know, China um, Lake is not too far away from there where they do other testing and stuff like that for the Air Force. Um, so that wasn't a surprise. But what was a surprise is not so much Missouri because I knew about, you know, Marley Woods and stuff like that. But Kansas, Kentucky, and Indiana were on the list, and those were a little surprising to me. Um, I had never heard of those being hot spots or many UFOs in those areas. Had you guys? Well, oh. Kentucky, um, I think, is famous for big uh, sightings for one, mm-hmm. um, and another two. Uh, Cape Girardeau is is down south. It's it's not too far from the Kentucky border, and uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri falls in that 37.18 mm-hmm. uh, latitude. Cape Girardeau, 1941, the first Roswell. Uh, so with that, and also down there by the Blue Hills, which you know New Madrid Falls, uh, Kentucky. Yes, I think I, I, I'd actually I heard more uh, Bigfoot sightings than anything else. What about you, Chuck? Well, you know, if you look at if you look at Kansas, okay. Um, it, and you follow that area is what, and that it's, it's number eight is what you put on mm-hmm. uh, on yours, you know, uh, eight out of ten. If you think about it, I'm really impressed with that because people just all you gotta do is just go go to Google Maps, open up the satellite image, and you can see um, the, the barrenness yeah, of, of, of Kansas, flat, mm-hmm. of Dodge City, 37 degree latitude. Thank you very much. Little Wyatt Earp, maybe he knew something. I don't know. Or, <laughs> <laughs> But um, when you look along that area, not only is there, you know, you have mountains. Same thing with Colorado. When you look at that area, uh, it's not like you're shooting through Los Angeles where you've got a lot of people there, you know, that that would make sense. These are areas, and maybe that's again, too. Maybe you're in areas where you have less uh, ambient light due to, you know, just, uh, you know, light pollution. Mm-hmm. And people see a lot more, too. But, you know, um, I am just so excited just to, just to look at your map and, and say, you know, my gosh, she has these people in these areas where it's kind of barren and, you know, they're doing the right thing. They're, you know, they, you know what? They, you, they see the sightings and they're reporting them. That's cool. Yeah, you have a good point there. And, mm-hmm. and it would be interesting to map up uh, your your map of mine with uh, a map of night lights in the country because you're right, you know, uh, the – East Coast does not really register much on my uh, map as, as popular hotspots, but there's a 
lot more people out there, and it's a lot more lit up than Middle America or the West, uh, which has a, which is a lot more sparse. And you know, maybe you have you do have people looking up uh, uh, more out where there are less lights. And then also, if you just look at the, the logistics of of the social behavior people in in California in that area, or here in Virginia, Washington, you know, Pennsylvania area, or North. You know, when you get the people in certain areas that are packed with, you know, they may not be the type of, of, of people socially that they go out and do things, you know, where if you look at the areas where it's a high region of people that, you know, make, we go out camping, you know, we, we do things on the weekends, we, we get out of Dodge, so to speak, and some of us actually go to Dodge for vacation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, uh, um, <laughs> and I think that's a big deal, you know, in, in California, uh, I live in Huntington Beach. I had to drive an hour and a half, you know, almost two hours to get to a place where I got out. And here in Colorado, I go 15 minutes, and I'm up in, I'm, you know, I'm up in the, in the woods. So it's, you know, I think that might have to do with the two, along with the light pollution, it's just the social behavior of people in the in the high speed states. Yeah. And I don't think that any of us are surprised that Arizona, I was kind of surprised it was number one, but I'm not surprised it's in the hot spot. Um, now, I know, Chuck, you were born in Arizona. Were you born there, too, Debbie? No, I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, really? Michigan? You guys yeah, were all over the place. Well, Michigan's on, on the map, <laughs> which I'm not too, too surprised about Michigan either because there's always been a lot of UFO sightings around the uh, Great Lakes areas. I think they're following me. Michigan and Arizona, Missouri, all three states. I know. Wow. That's how <laughs> I feel, state. too, with Colorado and Arizona. <laughs> Chuck, the state you were zoning. What's interesting is that Arizona is where Chuck was born. It's number one on my hotspot map. And out of the three of us, he's the strangest. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I won't argue with that. I won't, I won't argue with that. <laughs> hey, I, I, I resemble that. that. <laughs> I use them about miles away. <laughs> well, I'm not too far um, behind. So Arizona. I think it's a very uh-huh. really clear sky there too. Well, that's yeah. yeah. I think they're following you, Alejandro. That's where you're from. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it's the sunniest state, so there's the most clear skies in Arizona. Uh, there's of course one of the bigger towns in the country, uh, Phoenix here, which is like interesting because I'm you know Colorado, Denver is more of an urban kind of area, mm-hmm. and then you have, of course, the beautiful mountains that, that the suburbs, you know, spill up yeah, against. Out here is kind of more of a giant yeah. suburb, suburb forever, uh, with real no, not much of a central downtown, it doesn't feel like. But yeah, you're right, Travis Walton was out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, see, that's, that's what got Chuck and I interested in the sky. Uh, both of us have always owned a telescope, and um, I moved to Arizona when I was five. Mm-hmm. So, uh, actually, I think I turned five in Arizona. So, Did you get a job uh, I, in Arizona, and you, that's why you moved? Uh, no, no. Uh, our family, my, my, oh, my family moved. Um, my, our, our, my, our parents lived in Michigan, and my dad had a frostbite World War II injury. Mm. And so, for his health, we moved to Arizona when, when so that's... He must uh, have been feeling better, because then they had Chuck. Yeah, well, <laughs> not too not too long after we moved there, I think Chuck was conceived in Michigan, born oh, okay. in Arizona. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, but we grew up with that Arizona sky. Uh, we lived in Stafford. Um, at the time, it was a very small town, and um, I'd take out of the house in the middle of the night, 
climb up on the garage roof and just look at the stars. So mm-hmm. I think that, that has a lot to do with um, our interest. Yeah. Did you? Oh yeah. Well, well, well you were smoking too. Was, was it you that got caught? <laughs> hey, I was a little kid. I never got into Oh, no, I guess it was Linda that got caught. It was my other sister that got caught. Yeah, that was there. Linda. I, I, never did, I never did smoke. Uh-oh. Oh, did you? Did either cool. of you have Anything. sightings in Arizona? You know, um, seriously, when, when people ask me where it first started for me, I remember as a kid in, in Arizona where I remember I, I thought I saw something, but, you know, it's been so long ago that, you know, it could be all... In my in my head, like I kind of remember seeing something and people talking about some strange life. I don't know. It's, it's one of those very very faint memories that could have actually happened to me. I could have watched it on a TV show. <laughs> but you know, it's something that I've always thought about. And one of the things that I realized is when when I 13 years ago when I moved from California to uh, to uh, Colorado, I was going through some old books that I had, you know. And I was looking. I remember those weekly reader readers, and then the, the books that we used to have. We used to get books every every time with the weekly news from elementary school. I couldn't believe the majority of books I had um, were on UFOs. Wow! So, and, and that was when I was in elementary school, you know, eight nine years old. So at that time, you know, I had I had a real big fascination for you know ufology. Um, a couple of dinosaur books, but most of them were were basically UFO stuff. So, wow. you know, for me. My love started as a, you know, pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of mine were that, too. They were astronomy. And and when I was very young, I saw the flying wing over. They tried to say that it was never really airborne, but I was outside. I was maybe eight, nine years old. Um, you mean the Air Force we were, plane, uh, the big wing? The, yeah, that, yeah, the big Air Force flying wing wow. actually did fly. It went low over our house. I remember seeing it. I remember wow. the propellers on the front. Um yeah, I, I think you know I'm I'm with Chuck. Um, mm-hmm. There was you know great skies, always an interest. Um, and as far as seeing anything, uh, well, yeah. Now there's a lot of things you can't explain. That's the nature yep. of being an investigator. So okay, I want to get back because uh, we are starting to Missouri. get low on time. Get back to Missouri because yes. you've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, a lot oh, of. My gosh, yeah. 54 reports in October, that's pretty exciting. That's shocking because that's going to probably boost uh, you up on my list from five to uh, higher 55. than that. All those? It's 50, 55 now, but and I counting. The ticker's and going counting, on. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you got a lot of media, too, lately, uh, which always helps to bring in more sightings. And you've got a lot of media from uh, controversial sightings. Uh, where the the media had said, you know, some people came out to admit that um, that was some stunt planes that we were flying or stunt planes at night, and people were seeing us. Did that account? Oh, they didn't admit it. They didn't admit it. I hunted them down. Oh, you um, hunted them down. Oh, absolutely. Oh, tell me about he it. He admitted it after I found them. Um, we we had people that were calling around the airport, so some of the sightings I thought, well, the first thing we need to do is call. Um, the um, Lee Summit Municipal Airport. Uh, I got a hold of somebody there who was going to be gone in a few minutes. Um, they closed the city airport at 7 o'clock, um, the officer. So I got online and found um, the TAA flying team out of Lee Summit. Um, got some information, got some names, made a few phone calls, and it was, there was a traffic accident that happened in the area of one of the sightings of the major highway between the 435 and the highway, highway 70 um, that had traffic blocked up, people outside standing outside the cars looking up. And so when he said, well, you know, we don't file a flight plan, 
listen, you know, you might be responsible for, for some traffic issues. And uh, this gentleman started telling me his flight plans. And uh, so we had a very nice conversation. Needless to say, it was the EAA flying team. Um, I know what time they took off. It was at 7.40 p.m. on the October 4th. They were in, in the air for 12 to 15 minutes. Um, forming a um, triangle with a delta formation pattern around Lee Summit. Uh, they had six planes that they put in this formation. Um, the first website said they were experimental planes, but they're pit planes. Um, they're something okay. you buy for $25,000, $30,000 and then put a motor in it for about $100,000. Um, but that would explain that they, they have white and uh, uh, white strobing lights in the tip of the wings and the tail and, and you know the green and red lights in the tip of the wings. You know, and, and they're flying 150 miles an hour. So I lined all that down. I know where they were, what time I, I've got their flight pattern. They weren't over the 435 and Highway 70 hovering. They're small two-person planes. They're not a triangle-shaped aircraft with yellow lights on the bottom, hovering two to 400 foot hovering um, over a highway. These were going 150 miles an hour. Um, also, too, uh, Chuck, we're checking in because we, uh, we've had a couple of reports that there was a, a rancher in the area that had um, a horse and their, his dog mutilated. So we're checking into that right now wow. in, in this area. Holy um, cow. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. We, uh, uh, we also know that there's, um, for some reason, they flew in uh, drones from Texas, about a dozen of those. Um, to Whiteman Airfield. Um, I don't know if it's diversionary tactic. I don't know if that has to do with the fact that they're on yellow alert. But Whiteman is on yellow alert. The flying the BTs around. Um, I must have heard BTs don't hover. Hmm. Um, they're also very loud. So if you got, we had four witnesses that were standing pretty much outside their vehicles looking up at this intersection. And um, not to mention all the people, the other people that saw the just even bothered to file a report. And this craft was hovering over the highway. Wow. So it wasn't these little planes that were doing 150 miles an hour at 1,200 feet in it, you know, and it wasn't the B-2. How many people um, reported that hovering incident? You know, um, we've got, we're still narrowing that down. Okay. Um, I took about a dozen of the ones that sounded like they were this EAA flying team. Mm -hmm. And just out of that, I had two of them that said, absolutely not. This thing was big and it was hovering. It was the size of a 747 that was hovering over the highway. We've got reports of the people right there at the intersection. Then, of course, we've got reports of all the surrounding areas because then after it recovered, then it moved away slowly. So um, Margie and I right now, Margie Kay is the assistant um, Missouri MUFON Assistant State Director. She lives in the Kansas City area in Independence. Um, she's going through all the pictures, all the drawings, all the video, and I'm the one that's trying to map out. We're gonna we're gonna do a, a push pin map on Google Earth and find and separate the um, identified from the unidentified. Cool. And um, that that's kind of what we're in the process of. But it started October 4th, and we're only at the 20th. Um, we had a lot of uh, field investigators that are out of town and sick. We've got one other gentleman helping us, and there's Margie and me. So um, we spent a lot of late night hours, but we're sorting through all this. There, there's a, a probably um, a good one fourth just flat looking at it, you know, just excited uh -huh. looking at it that are just, that are large, some type of large craft or orange lights of some type. Gotcha. But like I said, we're we're uh, right now. Can't really give some definite numbers because it's still trying to go through all this. It's a lot of information and it's still coming in. 
there's a lot of people that they won't call it in until after they hear about it. And they say, you know, I saw that too. I need to call it in. And they're, they're coming in every single day. We get another one, at least one. Right. And um, when, uh, as far as 54 sightings, uh, let's see, when it comes to Missouri, what, 136 you've gotten uh, up until last month. So, I mean, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So even if you a quarter of those are actually uh, not the stunt planes for, which is interesting. So, I mean, part of this flap was due to the stunt planes. You had drones in the area for some reason and B-2s <laughs> in the area for some reason. And uh, so that created a lot of sightings. But still, you're saying a good quarter of them are, are uh, you do have some legitimate incidents here, too, that don't have to do with these conventional answers. Well, it was interesting, in 2010, we had 138 sightings total. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're already at that. Yeah. You know, we've got months here to go. Um, yeah, it, 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 well, what we had to, okay, a lot of the sightings, you know, and we, they, that wasn't all of them either. We had the Golden Knights skydiving team, um, I believe that, that was in August, and um, there were these, their um, army, skydiving team that um, they jumped out of a plane that was lit. They uh, Four gentlemen had flares. They they just pattered as they came down. Um, that we had a lot of useful sightings on that. Although, um, when some of the sightings started to come in, people were saying, well, wait a minute, I saw this hovering ball of light, which there was one that was four miles from my house. The lady reported that a large ball of light hovering about the uh, two telephone poles high in the sky, hovered there, and then shot straight up, uh, the height of a helicopter hovered for about 10, 15 more seconds and then shot deep across um, Highway 65 and into Illinois. So when you've got sightings of people that said, well, you know, we know that there were parachutists that were in the area at night doing this, this stunt, another stunt incident, uh, surprisingly enough, huh? um, then you have other things like this. He said, no, these things are shooting across the sky. They're going parallel. And, and then have one lady said, well, I saw it come up from a field. It went straight up and hovered and then shot off in the distance. Mm-hmm. I had my 13-year-old granddaughter in Annapolis, which is in that 37-degree latitude, and was on a float trip at the end of July. And um, she and the little girl she was, she was with, um, the 15-year-old girl and the mom, went on a float trip. They were staying the night in a little hotel. And they went outside um, to kind of a little hotel, so they went outside for some fresh air and to have some sodas and chips. And they looked out, and there were five balls of light that were spinning in the field across the street. I mean, just a line of them spinning. Hmm. And then I asked her, I said, well, the next day you go see what was over there. And she said there were more fields and trees. So we've got balls of light in the area. July, we had sky lanterns, which are Chinese lanterns, and then they set these things up. We had people um, laying them off of the sky. 40, 50 at a time for commemorative. So a lot of that was, you know, we had a couple dozen sightings, but at least a dozen was that. But then these things don't shoot off at a high rate of speed. Yeah. So it, it, it's all a matter of trying to pin this down, but it just seems awful strange that we've had a lot of balls of light, we've had a lot of triangle craft, and in the middle of all this, all of a sudden we've got people setting off sky lanterns that never did before. We've got skydivers in here that are flying around with flares in the middle of the night. We've got stunt flyers. We've got we've got drone planes, and no, <laughs> somebody out there is trying to make my life really yeah, complicated. Yeah, they're all keeping you busy <laughs> and driving you crazy. Uh huh. Does the word diversion come into play someplace here? Uh huh. But, but you know, if you look at Missouri, 
Missouri has always been, uh, I should say, a hot spot. I mean, besides the Joplin Lights here, I mean, you had the 1941 Cape Girardeau incident, mm-hmm. uh, exactly. you know, that, that, you know, people to this day, even, you know, Debbie and I were over there at one point, you know, looking at it. So um, it's, it's really fascinating to see this. And, and I, I'm kind of, you know, because I know about the stuff I'm talking to Debbie, uh, you know, uh, before ahead of time, I'm, I'm thinking, well, I need to jump on an airplane and, and get out there, too. Uh, uh, wow, yeah. there's a really exciting state right now uh, here, uh, over there, I should say. Uh, we need there's a, watch a lot we can explain, but there's a lot of things. I've been out on, on landing sites, and there's a lot of things that we just can't explain. Yeah, it and I, like... Lord knows, I've tried. I'm a, I, you know, I start out in every case as a skeptic. Yeah. And it, I'm in the show-me state. You know, this is Missouri is the show-me state. You have to show me what this is. And, there's a lot of this I can't figure it out. Yeah. It does sound like, though, even with the B-2s and the drones and the stunt pilots, even uh, considering all of that, if that hadn't happened this month, you still would have had a, a busy month. We still would have had a very, very busy month, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this month is turning out to be pretty crazy for you. Well, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, I know you're both really busy people, so thank you so much. I'm glad you were able to... Uh, Stay up because I think it's late, especially for Debbie, and uh, get on the phone with me. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me on. Yep, my well, thank pleasure. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, uh, Alejandro. Anytime you you think us, give us a call. Yeah, for sure. It's always great Absolutely. to talk to you guys. Thank you so much. All right, you can read more about Chuck and his information at ufonut.com. That's ufonut.com, and he's a goofy guy, as you can see. Great guy, great researcher. He'll be speaking at the International UFO Congress in February. Otherwise, sorry to drop a bomb on you, but we're not going to have a show next week. So come back in two weeks. I know lots of you get bummed out when we skip a week, but... We've got lots of cool stuff, new projects going on that you're going to see over the next couple of weeks, and we'll tell you all about it next week. Thanks for listening to Open Minds Radio. Don't forget to visit openminds.tv for more UFO news. Talk to you next week, people.